don't intend to be very long. And suddenly I see a lot of people relax. Um, because we want to give Pete and Mary an opportunity as well, just to maybe share, and then we can pray for them. But it's good to be back, by the way. Uh, it's lovely to be here. Um, and what I want to share is something so simple. Uh, you all know it. Um, it's uh, radical in its simplicity, uh, deep in its profoundity. Is that a word? Was that pro- profundity? Um, and, um, and it has everything to do with this fact that Jesus is alive. Amen? Uh, and that is the cornerstone, the rock of, um, I think, what's behind that word of encouragement. Uh, I believe a prophetic word over us and what we've heard. Interestingly, Martin, you may remember, where's Martin? Uh, is he in here? No. Um, shared a vision, a picture, many, many years ago of water pouring out of this building down into the streets. And we believe that's going to happen. So thank you, Andrew. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. But we don't believe that was the fulfillment of that. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to talk about the flood. Do you remember the flood we had in here? <laughs> but yeah, amen. Yeah, encouraging. Um, but it's on this that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's not just a historical figure, which he is. Um, he's not um, uh, <laughs> some spiritual force which we may experience. He is not just an idea that helps us cope with life that some people believe he is. He is not um, anything other, I guess, um, than a real person. Amen? Amen. He is a real person, more real than you and I. He existed far beyond before us. Um, No matter how old you are, Jesus was there. He never does not have a beginning. He does not have an, an end. He is Jesus alive and he's living and he's in this place and he's in your life and he's moving and he's moving in this community. He's moving ways that we cannot see and we are expectant as we've been encouraged that, uh, that he is doing things that are going to be revealed. And if you remember, um, I prayed once about the undercurrent. <laughs> you might remember me doing that more than what I was talking about. What was that about, John? It's the undercurrent to be revealed. And, um, and this is no big secret. This is no kind of like higher knowledge that, that only the most spiritual people will know. And, but it is a mystery in a sense. But Because I think many of us will know this. You will know if I said to you, and this is my message this morning, that the great secret of our life, the greatest thing available to us, the greatest impact in your life, in my life, is the knowledge or to know the person of Jesus. And, and that's really what I want to encourage us um, as we head into this year, as we head into, uh, um, there is an increasing um, expectation. I want to share just briefly, or maybe I could just read it. Um, a guy, uh, I don't know whether, uh, I'll send it to you, Alan, I don't remember that. It was a very, very, very long prof- prophecy. I'm going to read the very beginning bit. But it encouraged me, it was from a guy called Josh Joss, some of you may remember him. He has been here in the church speaking and has worked with us. But he sent me this. Um, he just contacted me out of the blue. He said, John, I've been thinking about you. And that's always encouraging when someone out of the blue says, I feel I've been thinking about you. I feel I've got a word 
um, not just for our church, but a word for the churches, and he sent it to me, and I'm going to read it, uh, just a brief bit. So listen to this. I wasn't thinking, planning on doing this, but in the light of what you guys said about house churches, I'll, uh, hopefully this will encourage you. I looked out across the land and saw Great Britain blanketed in darkness. In the midst of the darkness, I noticed small points of light that I knew represented the churches. But these lights were not bright and warm. They were fading, and the sense of growing darkness was overwhelming. In the distance, I could hear the worship from these places of of fading lights. But the sound was like a clamoring of noises, and the words and notes had become indecipherable. As the light decreased, the noise increased and became more desperate. I sensed that the spirit was lifting, but they didn't want to acknowledge it, so they played louder and harder to try and make up for it. Eventually, it felt like the light across the country was fading completely, and only blackness remained. I began to notice tiny embers, though, but they were not in the churches, he means in the buildings, they were in the homes. They were so small they barely dented the light, but I could tell they were burning intensely. These embers began spreading from house to house, and I could hear a call being echoed forward as they spread, new wine for new wineskins. I sensed that there was a hunger growing, an emerging cry from those who had recognized that the Spirit was leaving the churches, and they had retreated to their homes and began asking God for a new move. They wanted God to move unhindered, They didn't care what it looked like. They didn't care what it felt like. They wanted the spirit and truth of God. Many of these believers had faced ridicule and rejection from other believers for leaving. They were treated as prodigals and backsliders, but this was far from the truth. They had left because they knew that the spirit was no longer there. They knew the worship had become vacuous and empty. The words echoed in my ear, new wine for new wineskins. As I watched these embers burn, they seemed to grow in intensity. In some cases, I saw the embers spreading back to the churches, and they began to increase in size. It was as as though rebirth was happening in the churches. These churches, I sensed, were those that were pure in their hunger for God. They were willing to let God be God and not control the Spirit, but rather be led by the Spirit. I sensed that the Lord telling me that for the last few decades, the Spirit had been poured out in a small measure, sparking moments of renewal. It was a period of grace granted to the church to prepare us for what was to come. But the Lord had allowed a temporary withdrawal was because the new wine of the Spirit required new wineskins. The Lord was telling us that we needed more than renewal, needed more than reformation even. We need a complete and total spiritual transformation. The Lord showed me that God wanted the church that was not just filled with the Spirit. It was a church born of the Spirit. Our entire way of being had to become God-breathed. We had to be willing to allow God to be God in all. This means allowing God to have full control of everything we know, everything we believe, and everything we practice. The Lord impressed on me that for us to grow again in the new wine of the Spirit, we had to be willing to allow the Spirit to bring us into new wineskins. It is the Spirit that brings the new wine and the Spirit that gives us the new wineskins. Both come from God. We cannot be the church that God desires us to, to be unless we let God build it in His way. And we cannot continue to grow in the Spirit unless we are willing to let God build the church in His way. Um, he goes on and on and on. And, uh, and you weigh this up, weigh this up. Don't take, you know, this is, you know, whatever. But weigh it up. But what registered in my heart is that God has a special move of God in homes, in your home. And that don't look to come to meetings for the experience of God 
Come and look even in your own home. What an amazing thing. Your home, your, and I, and I don't think it's just homes. It could be cafes and, you know, and situations that are just new that God wants to come and move. Amen? But I want to bring into that something about the person of Jesus. See, the greatest thing available for you in your life is the person of Jesus. And this is what I mean. It is him, not his presence. I'm going to qualify what I mean, but it's not his presence, not his power, not his provision, but his person. See, we may be presence chasers, you know, experience chasers. We may be going after God saying, I need your power, praise God. All these are benefits. All these are byproducts of this wonderful, fundamental truth that Jesus is alive and we can know him personally, just like I know Dan. If not, I can know I can know God more than I can know Dan, and Dan can know me. Do you believe that? Uh, And this is the wonderful thing. We can enjoy the sense of his presence, but it's a byproduct of him. We can enjoy and see the working of his power in our lives, but he's just a benefit of himself. And we can give thanks for his provision, but that just flows out of his generosity of who he is. You see in the pattern. So it's not that we sort of say, oh, we're not into the presence of God. I can't live my life without it. (laughs) But I know it comes from him. And because he is in my life, therefore I say, I'm so glad that, you know, he is my goal. You know, my goal is God himself, not joy nor peace, nor uh, the the, the rest of the the verse. And then when you think about this, you know, and I was thinking about this particularly in Australia because I preached this at the wedding, by the way, because I knew that there were people there that, God had put on my heart that had been in churches that where they, they, they had been broken because of the situation. And, and, uh, and this thought came into me that we may even seek in his church meetings, we may come to church meetings, worship times, Bible studies, we may hold on to doctrines and we're looking at all these things to build our life with, but we're failing to recognize that we're seeking for the wrong thing. And all of those things are fundamental and good and right. But it is him that we want. And we mustn't stop short of the great prize and the treasure of knowing Jesus. And how many people have turned their back on God when really they've turned their back on church or they've turned their back on an experience or a lack of understanding or because of a doctrine or all these things when if you know Jesus, all of those things fall into place. It's him, it's the person of Jesus. And Jesus needs it, like the old picture of the candlestick in the temple, is a, I believe I'm right, if I'm wrong, don't tell me now, tell me afterwards, is a picture of Jesus standing in the midst of the temple. Am I right? Thank you, Mark. That was off notes then. I was, um, but let me just quickly, because I, I don't think I need to go into detail here, because I think we know this. I'm just encouraging us. And maybe, maybe there's a challenge there for us to reorient ourselves back to I'm, J- Jesus has got to be my goal, not church, not, not all this great experience of God and things like that. Uh, Genesis 3 verse 8, it says with, of Adam and Eve uh, in that hole in the Garden of Eden, there was God walking in the garden, walking with Adam and Eve. And... Uh, uh, my wife is going to get me a glass of water, but she doesn't realise I've got a bottle of water right here. Bless you. Um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, if you don't know the story, these three young teenagers 
um, been told to bow the knee to an idol, which was the king Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, not, we're never going to do that. Um, and even, you know, if God doesn't save us, nevertheless, we're not even going to bow the knee. They knew, they knew something different. It wasn't just about getting through life, if you were. But when the fiery furnace comes, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. So hot was it that even the guards that were tending this great fire were died because they, it was so hot. Where was the power of God in that story? Can anyone tell me? Where was the release of the power that split the flames and all this? Where was the presence of the experience of his presence in that story? It's not mentioned. Where is the provision of salvation in that, in terms of they, they suddenly they were transported out? There wasn't. But what was there? Anyone tell me? The person of Jesus. And he didn't even take them out. He just was there in the midst of it, in that wonderful picture. See, um, it wasn't God's presence or power or provision, but it was this fourth person. And we can, pr we can pray and ask God to change our circumstances. Why not? Amen. But the greater treasure is knowing Jesus in the midst of it. We could go into other stories. What about when Jesus was on the boat and all these kind of things? You see these principles that, that where Jesus is present. When the thief on the cross said, uh, uh, went to Jesus, Jesus said, um, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, go be released from the cross or your you know, presence. You just know the love of God surrounded you right now, thief. Uh, he said, you're going to be with me. And, and Apostle Paul, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He understood the greatest treasure was him. And what a privilege that you and I can stand here, and I trust you can say this. I walk with Jesus. I know Jesus personally. Everything in my world could fall apart, but that one thing is an anchor to me. I might not experience his presence for a whole week or month. I might feel as he's far away from as far as the east is from the west, but I walk with Jesus. I might not know the power of God in my life. I might not see my situation changing, but one thing I know is that the person of Jesus walks with me. That's the, isn't that the blessing? What about purpose? Here's another P. You realize I've done P's, don't you? P's and B's. Did you realize benefit, byproducts, blessings? No? See? Come on. I put a lot of work. The purpose. Lord, where am I going? What am I doing? Sometimes that can be the drive when it's Jesus. Just to be with Jesus. I tell you, where, you know, uh, where, uh, some, sometimes when you, you know you've got a calling on your life, some of the greatest times is when you're just sitting with Jesus. It's not, oh, look what we've managed to achieve in this great vision to, you know, of, of uh, hope released. Jesus. That's the greatest secret. Never forget, what's the whole saying uh, in, in the work of God? Don't forget the God of the work. See, and so what should we do with these things? We need to build our life around knowing Jesus, the person. Now, you, you might think, I don't know whether there's some thinking here. I don't know how to compute that. I don't know how, I know I can get to know Timo because I can go and spend time with him and I can look at him in the face and I can stroke his beard and all sorts of things which we have never done. Um, don't do that face. You know that that's what you like. <laughs> but is there a place where I can sit 
And I was, bear with me on this, okay? This might be a little bit off the wall. Imagination puts a picture to an experience of faith. Does that make sense to you? Don't worry if it doesn't, just discard it. But I can sit, and my imagination, I don't create pictures to make me feel good. My, the spirit, I believe, puts pictures to a reality that is not physical. Now, I don't close my eyes and see Jesus. I can close my eyes, on the, my eyes open, and I know that Jesus is here. For me, he's here. He's not here. He's here. I don't know what that is. I know you've written me off already. But my point here is, is that there is an experience. There is this faith element. I know Jesus is alive. I walk with him. I know it. I can't. Trying to think, how can I give a picture to explain this other than that is the reality? And if it's not your reality, seek God for it until it becomes your reality. Everything that Jesus did, what did he do? He came into the world, walked with men and women, he died on the cross, went back to his Father to send the Holy Spirit, which enabled him to walk with every man and woman in the Spirit by faith. That was his purpose, to save us, to reconcile us to him, in order that we may know him. Not that you could go to church every day for the rest of your life, that we may know him. And church is a byproduct of that knowing him. We know him together. We walk together. We know the purpose of God together. We see the power of God at work together. That's church. And um, wonderful. And this is the secret of life. Are we making room for him in our life? When I married Jana and I came into that relationship, I had to make room for my wife in my life. And now she takes up a lot of room, gladly, gladly, a lot of room in my life, and I take up a lot of room in her life. Amen. Um, and then when you have children, there's more rooms are opened up. Um, <clears throat> this is the reason he came. It wasn't so that we might attend meetings, follow rules and regulations, but for a relationship. There's some miles there. See, do you know Jesus? Or is all your experience of Christian life really about church meetings, worship times, songs, your Spotify playlist, your Bethel music or Hillsong or whatever it is? Or is it that you know what I'm talking about right now? Amen. Amen. Daniel, uh, when I was away, I was thinking, I really feel that I, I believe God's bringing us into time of fruitfulness. So I'm encouraged by what he said. I believe that. And I thought, I really feel maybe we should talk about fruitfulness. Um, John 15, abide in me. you know. And then Daniel preached about it, didn't he? So amen. It's good. shows that we're of one heart. But I think you can see this. And this is where I want to get to some application. See, we have to build space into our lives for Jesus. He has to be at the center and, um, and this is what John 15 says, Abide in me like the branch in the vine cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. He is central. Now, in Australia, we went to some wine regions. They have these wonderful wine regions. And you see these vines. You see this thick uh, trunk and all these vines that they tend and they go all along and all the grapes that are just hanging off of them. You know, it's, it's a lovely picture. And, but all of these, it's, it's, a, it's, they're, it's almost like... Um, they are so well tendered. Is that the word? 
cared for. It just looks amazing. It looks so neat and tidy. And for someone like me, as you know, I like to have things neat and tidy. Um, but it's a wonderful... And you can see that picture. God is the vine dresser. Um, and right in the middle is this trunk. And you have a trunk there, trunk there, trunk But the, then it's not two trunks leading into one. Individual trunks, things like that. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Jesus right at the centre. See, God is bringing fruitfulness in church because where you see the person of Jesus at the centre of their life, the inevitability of fruitfulness. And when we talk about fruitfulness, we're talking about growth in ourselves, growth in the gospel, of people meeting Jesus. So when you are going into your workplace and you're walking with Jesus, um, Jesus is being expressed. I know we talked about this many times. People are going to meet Jesus because they meet you. Amen. The impact of walking with Jesus and the invitation to know Jesus is because you know Jesus. So are you walking with Jesus? Are you setting your course to know Jesus? And I want to finish with this, which may be a bit of a challenge. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens up to me, I will come in. I think it's like that, isn't it? And we all know that that's, he's standing at the door of a church. Or of a Christian's heart. And, and you have to then follow the, the, the reasoning behind that, that at some point, Jesus was, went out the door and no one noticed. But his heart is to be in the door. And he's knocking. And I wonder whether he's knocking at your heart because at some point you forgot it was about the person of Jesus. But he's knocking. He's not a mile away. You don't have to phone him to get, a, you know, to get from one place to be. He's right there at the door of our hearts. And all we've got to do is open up. That's the promise of Revelation 3 verse 20. And the passage was written to a church that had lost their first love. They'd got lukewarm. They'd become religious, you could interpret. And there he is knocking. Do you know him? Have you remembered about the person of Jesus. There is a reality of knowing Jesus just as much and far more than the person closest to you. He knows everything about you. He's, he's worked out the risk assessment. He's given it the okay. He's willing to get to know you, nitty-gritty, all the bits that you push away and no one really knows about. He's invested in that wonderful. Amen? What a privilege. So I want to encourage you... Um, Maybe you need to go away and think about, is my life, I can't, is this the right word, orientating? Yeah? Sometimes I think I make these words up, but, you know, you, you, you set something in place and everything is set around that. That's what I'm looking for. Amen? Have you set the right thing in place? The person, knowledge of Jesus, to know him, your best friend. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I missed the beginning of that because I won't listen. Say it again. Say it again. Yes. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, he's, he's moved heaven and earth to know us. So when we're seeking him, it says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We make a step before God, before right foot hits the floor, he's right there. Yeah. 
Amen. Isn't it wonderful? See, but we have to be mindful and set and think, Lord, I just, sometimes it's just that, isn't it? We're like that, but actually just that. But if it's in your heart to know him, seek him, you will find him. Ask and he shall be, you know, uh, it's wonderful. I'm going to finish there. Amen. Let's pray. Shall we, be, shall we encourage one another? Let's stand together and I'm going to pray. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me that this year there's going to be such an incredible sense of the person of Jesus in our lives. And there's going to be fruitfulness because of that. Father, um, I want to thank you for this wonderful gospel that Jesus is alive. You've taken away the obstacle of sin, Lord. And for all those, Lord, that have responded to your great and wonderful offering, Lord, of forgiveness of sin, you have heard Lord, and thank you, Father, for your grace that doesn't presume us to need to be perfect. Lord, it doesn't presume that we need to know everything about what we're doing, but it does say, Lord, that we can have a heart of faith that says, Lord, we want to know Jesus. Lord, and I want to thank you for forgiveness of sin, Lord, that is washed away, that is cast from the east to the west. Lord, and for all who desire to know you and follow after you, today, Lord, you can enter into their lives in a radical way. Lord, and for those of us who've known you for a while, will you help us, Lord, to just do away with all the fluff, Lord, of anything that is not coming from knowing you personally. And we thank you for your presence. We ask for more of it. We thank you for your power. We ask for more of it, Lord. We thank you for your provision. We ask for more of it. But not, Lord, on the basis that we forget the person who you are. Lord, and help us, Lord, will you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.